This is the Two Touch Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Douglas, and as always, I'm joined by Tim Bones Bouts. Today, we're talking Match Week 12 results, going in-depth on the snooze fest that was the Manchester Derby, and pretty big upsets for Chelsea, Liverpool, and Arsenal. We then end the show with our predictions for our midweek Premier League fixtures. Welcome to Episode 8. Let's get started. Oh. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to the Two Touch Podcast. This is Bones, for once, bringing you live with my buddy Trev here. Hey, Trev, how's the weather up there? That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, weather. Weather's great. I'm up in Maine, so it's, you know, dark by 3.30 and got some uh, just above freezing so we got some good rain going on and uh, i think we're supposed to get some snow this week yeah i heard that you got a good old new england norista coming your way is that what it is is that what it's supposed to be this week yeah and and just uh for a little bit of background for you all you listeners i too are you giving him a weather lesson yeah (laughs) meteorology is something that is is fascinating to me because it's the one job in America that you can be wrong 90% of the time and still have a job. So I respect the hell out of them. That, what that was, and, and pundits for, for soccer matches. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. And, and I, I guess we can kind of fancy ourselves low level, low level pundits right now. We're not really the getting lowest, paid, like not really basement. getting paid to be them. Yep. All right. That's enough of that. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about today. Just had a pretty wild weekend, match week 12, lots of upsets, a lot of surprising results, and we also have some midweek, match week 13 soccer to, to make our predictions for, so we only get one day off between, which is one too many, but that's okay. So let's get into it. We're going to do the recap of match week 12. We're going to start off with Friday's match, Leeds versus West Ham. The result, 2-1 West Ham. Goals, let's start with Leeds. Leeds got it started in the sixth minute. It was a clinch PK. Then shortly after that, in the 25th minute, West Ham equalized Susek, or however you say his name. We had trouble with it last episode too, but good for him. Got on the score sheet again, and then Ogbonna sealed it for West Ham in the 80th minute. The the only observations I have from this were actually this isn't my own observation. This is a uh, a coworker of mine who's grew up diehard Leeds fan. He's kind of nervous. You know, Leeds had a had a stretch of games where they he was playing they were playing top top level top six quality teams. I mean, Arsenal is not that, but you kind of associate it with that. And he thinks he's gonna Leeds has a much better chance against those type of teams than than teams like West Ham that are a little less aggressive that might play a low lock or just more conservatively. Yeah. So he thinks going forward, the, the matches that you think they should win, they might struggle in. Yeah. And, and particularly for a team like West Ham that don't, aren't as skilled going forward. If they do get a lead, they're going to try to park the bus, which leads as a team that likes to get out and run. That's 
damning for them. It does appear as though their high octane, high intensity game. They're start. It looks like they're starting to get a little bit tired. Uh, and once Bamford went off, they just didn't have anything going forward. And that's partly because of West Ham parking the bus, but also partly because they were just running out of gas. So I hope that they regain some form. Hopefully, get some some of those those legs back. But tough tough result for Leeds. Next match, we got Wolves versus Aston Villa, who was the first match on Saturday. Result, 1-0 Villa. El Ghazi PK in stoppage time, the 94th minute. Something to highlight is that both teams eventually got red cards. So Douglas Luiz had two yellow cards. Sending off happened in the 85th. Same for Moutinho, which was two yellow cards. His sending off was right at the end of the match, and then the 95th, I believe. I'd say this this match felt pretty even for the entirety. If I had to, I think Wolves at the very least deserved a point from it. So, mm-hmm. you know, getting that ninety fourth PK, ninety fourth minute PK is is a rough rough result for them. The possession was even. Shots were in favor of Wolves. Expected goals were in favor of Wolves. So, they, I mean, they at least deserve a point, but they didn't get it. It's kind of a heartbreaking for them. Also to know, both teams are really struggling offensively. We knew this was going to be the case for Wolves. They were struggling before they lost Jimenez, and they just can't generate anything right now. They they started their um, – I can't think of his name, but he's 18-year-old signing. He's Portuguese, of course. You know, they, they just couldn't get anything going. But what's also surprising is Villa is having a lot of trouble generating offense. Ever since Barkley dropped out with a hamstring – issue they they just haven't been impressive in the final third so definitely alarming for both of the both the teams what would be really cool and one of the the rumors flying around for the next transfer window obviously wolves needs to go out and get uh, a striker another offensive force the name that's coming up here and there is hulk who comes from brazil fame and i guess if if you follow the tabloids he had a pretty interesting love affair with his niece oh yeah i forgot about that (laughs) it would be really interesting from that perspective but you know hulk being a 34 year old he's never played in a super demanding league he's played for porto he's played for zenit but not anything like the premier league but he is such a physical specimen that it would be really interesting to see him in the premier league also He's not Portuguese, but at least he speaks Portuguese. Yep. All right, next match, we got Newcastle versus West Brom. Pretty straightforward, 2-1 Newcastle win. Goals, Almiron scored within the first minute for Newcastle. It was pretty comical. Not only that, West Brom actually had the kickoff, yet Newcastle still scored within a minute. It was actually a pretty nice link-up play between it went Callum Wilson to Joel Linton, who looked like he almost was going to trip over the ball, but managed to squirt it out to the right side where Almiron was standing by himself, and he put it away. So it was a nice goal. West Brom came back in the 50th to tie it up. Furlong, I believe, scored the goal. And then the Newcastle winner came in the 80th minute. Dwight Gale came on as a substitute. Banger of a header off the crossbar. It was a nice goal. So a good win for Newcastle. All right, probably the biggest match of the – well, definitely the biggest match of the weekend going into it 
result-wise, not the biggest, but we're going to talk about the Manchester Derby, Manchester United versus Manchester City. The result, a 0-0 draw. And I think if I take my bias away from this, this was a pretty big snooze fest for most observers. I think uh, going into it, both managers were really playing for a draw. Pep played with two center defensive mids, which was really surprising. I think probably showed a lot of respect for Bruno and I guess Pogba. It showed respect for our midfield in general, which is is kind of rare. I, we we've talked about it previously, but Pep's been opting. You know, David Silva's left, so who's that midfield partner with De Bruyne? And a lot of the matches, especially the big ones, that he's been rolling out Gundogan, which we've said is just like safe and doesn't really. It hasn't been working. You know, if if he wanted something closer to the David Silva mold, he would give Phil Foden more run. But he went even more conservative with rolling out Rodri and Fernandinho for this, which, yeah, I was I was pretty surprised by it. Yeah, particularly with a team like United that they can kind of struggle offensively at the drop of a hat without much pressure. I think they naturally just can find themselves in offensive ruts. It's interesting that he went so defensive and and didn't put in the likes of Phil Foden or starring him alongside Kevin De Bruyne. I have to agree it was kind of a snooze fest, although I, I think that Ole's probably happier with this outcome than Pep is. I think it helped to stop the gushing of blood that Manchester Manchester, it, it literally a geyser out of the neck. It, it's it stopped the bleeding a little bit, and maybe took a little pressure off of him. We'll see in the midweek games, but I, I think it, it was a better result for United than it was for City. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I would argue though. I think Pep seemed pretty happy about the result. I think based on his selection. And also, obviously, his reaction after in his in his post game interview, it's he seemed content. I think that's what he wanted. I mean, if he's going with two CDMs, he's not looking. I mean, he was almost playing at counter attacking football. You expect that from Manchester United in these big big games under Ole. It's how, that's how we've beaten City in the past. That's how we've beaten other top clubs. Is you sit back, you hit them on the counter attack. But City's best opportunities came on the counter attack as well. So. It was pretty interesting. Other notes that I want to highlight is that I thought that was probably Bruno's worst match I've seen him play. I think he got voted man of the match too, at least by United fans, which is insane to me because, you know, put this into, I mean, it's all relative, right? But I'm comparing it to his normal high standard. I mean, he's he's been playing like the best midfielder in the Premier League. And for this match, he just, his passes weren't connecting. They weren't quite there. You could see the vision. You could see what he's trying to do. And if he had connected on them, I'm very confident United would have scored. But that those final passes just weren't falling for him, which is pretty strange. I think that's the first time I've really seen it, an entire match. Usually, he's had he's had slow periods within a match, but he usually gets gets going. So that was interesting. I think I also best- thought he was he was a bit wasteful in front of goal. The chances that he did put on, it was either he should have pulled back and and made an extra pass, and but had gone for goal and it. it you know, it was kind of a weak attempt or whatever, or just wasn't on target or wasn't clinical enough. 
Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't his best match. I think our best player on the day was Fred. I feel like we keep we keep bringing him up, and maybe, I mean, I think you appreciate what he's starting to do for this team, but he basically got assigned with man marking Kevin De Bruyne, which is not an easy task. No, and yeah. and I, he was he was successful. I mean, as successful as you could be, and and that was even with him taking an early knock. So Fred was super impressive to me. Uh, Luke Shaw got a lot of praise from social media and and pundits i thought he was shit city's best chance on goal was a counterattack, and he had drifted so far in he was basically in the center back position on the counter that the whole right side was wide open for mares and mares should have scored on it It, Shaw was was spending his time as a center back It, it was just i don't know ball watching it was so bad well, why why do you think that Ole went with the selection of Shaw over Alex Tellis? Because I I've felt that Alex Tellis has played pretty well in the in the games that he's he started in Luke Shaw's stead, and I I think he's got more upside. Yeah, I I can't I can't explain that at all. I don't know. I I would think that maybe they're I I can't imagine Tellis is that bad defensively. I, I would think that they're at least on the same level defensively but then what he offers tell offers going forward is 10 times what Shaw he was getting praised for his corner kicks too I mean they're they're still floaters I just I don't I don't know why anyone defends him he also just he looks like a little chub ball running around out there he's <laughs> I don't understand like is he in shape he always looks like he's been eating he's kind of like another basketball reference here but it's kind of like Chris Paul obviously Chris Paul is one of the best point guards in the league and has been for quite some time, but he always looks out of shape. The only, the only problem with this comparison is that Shaw's not anywhere close to the level. Yeah. I get your point. Let's see other thoughts on this. Oh man. I think we're pretty harsh on him normally, but David De Gea was just, he was great. I mean, he didn't get tested much, but when we needed him, he came up with some huge saves. So I was very happy to see that. I hope it helps with his confidence. I thought, I, I mean, City, it's weird. I, my feeling was that I should be happy about this result, but I wasn't. And well, because you're a classic United fan that just doesn't, doesn't. I think we were the better team. Thank your overall, lucky stars. Though. I think we're, we were the better team though. I think it's a, a fine margin, but we had more opportunities. They probably had the better opportunities. And, I don't know. I think I would have liked to, to see us go out and win that. I mean, we're at home. We need to make a statement. If we would get three points off of them, that's huge. I, I don't know. And then it was clear that they weren't going to go for it with the lineup that they had. I don't know why Pep wouldn't put in Phil Foden. I just that it gets late into the match. They start to control it a little bit. Their possession was much better towards the end of the game and. Uh, saying cities was why not bring Phil Foden? Not only is he better than what you have in the midfield besides KDB to actually generate some offense, but he's also a Manchester United kid or sorry, a Manchester kid. Like he grew up there. He knows how important this match is. I wonder if you could give him a little bit more, like if you grew up watching this match, it means so much more to you. You're going to come out and you're going to be flying. I think if Pep knew what he's doing there, he would have, thrown in Phil Foden and they probably could have stolen the the game I guess it remains to be seen but you know ultimately 
it's a it's a match that may define a season. Uh, you know, one point taking one point from this match, particularly for United, who seems to have some troubles consistently. I think will be pretty big. Uh, yeah, I I would argue the the opposite. I think if there was actually a result from this, they both played it safe because they knew that, like, if Ole loses, he's potentially getting the sack, and if not, then we're we're that much further back in the top four race and Pep's under heat too. I mean, spends boatload boatloads of money on his team and he has been on like a gradual decline ever since the hundred point season. So I think they're both just playing not to lose. And as a result, I don't think this, I think the reason why is because this, they don't want this to determine. They don't want to look back on this match at the end of the season and be like, that's, that's where we messed up. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree. All right, so we're moving on. A little bit more excitement, just only a little bit more in the next match. we got Everton versus Chelsea, and I would say this is exciting just because it was not the result that we expected. We both picked Chelsea for this one. Everton won 1-0. The goal came in the 22nd minute. Gilfie Sigurdsson scored the PK. Bones, I'll let you lead off with this one. So I I applaud Everton for coming back and and showing some resolve and getting away with three points, but there's only so many times that Chelsea can hit the post. You know, I think it was a lucky result, honestly. I thought Chelsea was the more dangerous team consistently. And yeah, it was a penalty, but, you know, I I think if the soccer gods were at all merciful, Chelsea probably would have scored at least one or two, the the balls that they hit on the post. I don't think that they deserved a loss. Yeah, maybe not a loss, but... I also don't know if they deserve a win. And that's fair. Yeah, I, I, don't, I just don't think that they, they deserve to not come away with any points on it. And, you know, I, I, you can say that they may have not been as convincing in the final third as they needed to be. They weren't as clinical. But, you know, it's not like they were just blast. It's not like Timo Werner was out there just blasting balls over the crossbar. You know, it's no. But I would also the the flip side of that, just playing devil's advocate. There are two posts. Uh, actually, I can't remember the second one, but the first one, Reese James. I mean, if he had scored that, that would have been a wonder goal. I mean, that's a low percentage shot. Crush it from outside the box. Dribbler through a bunch of legs, and hit the post. So like. That's you shouldn't expect that to go in. The fact that it hit the post was pretty impressive. Yeah, but how many times do you see that fall in favor of defenders? It, it's it's that's essentially how they score what? game in and game out. It's not like they're it's not like Benjamin Pavard is going to have one of the sidekicks. No, I mean you're crackers. making an argument for Reese James specifically. Like, yeah, for Reese James that would have been great. For Chelsea, that I think that would have been a lucky goal. All right, we'll agree to disagree on that. I I just think that. I just think that Chelsea should have come out with at least a point. You know, it, it, tough, tough result for Mendy. You know, he played strong and well. And aside from the destroyed, absolutely destroyed Calvert Lewin. Yeah, I kind of like. I mean, like it's to his see fo- that. like. I mean, Mendy's playing out of his mind. But you have to say, like, what was he doing on that play? Yeah, and and you know, he came for out who- for the ball and just cleaned out. Calvary. Yeah, it wasn't it, even close. You kind of take the good with the bad. He went to make an aggressive move, and you live with that. He's kept them in games that Kepa would not have kept them in. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you're comparing it to one of the worst keepers in the history of the Premier yeah. League. Yeah. With that, that said, Kepa did not play all that poorly in the Champions League, which was a little bit shocking. Who were they playing against? Mm, well, I think Krasnodar. Mm, okay. <laughs> so, okay. So one thing I do want to talk about, though, which is interesting, is that so in the offseason, Lampard was about to get get the chance to make his uh, his first purchases for the club. And everyone was saying, okay, last year, what could Chelsea do? They could definitely score goals, but they would leak goals like crazy. So what should he do? Spend money on, on defense. And, and, you know, to his credit, he did bring in Ben Chilwell, which I, I think it is, it's definitely an upgrade going forward. I don't know if it's that big of an upgrade defensively. He's definitely going forward. But he spent an insane amount of money on his attacking, <laughs> on, on attacking players. And what's interesting is that despite the allocation of money mainly going towards attacking, the defense has been – oh, well, he also brought in Mendy, obviously. The defense has been amazing. I mean, outside of that PK, I don't think Everton had much of an opportunity. Yeah, but that's right. But Chelsea had 72% of the possession, and their expected goals was just 1.01. And you have – the type of talent up top that's Timo Werner, Christian Pulisic, Tammy Abraham, Ziyech. He's injured, obviously. I know that. Um, but no, even it, before before all these no injuries, doy, and and yeah. you can even toss Olivier Giroud in there if you. Well, really that's want the point to. I'm trying to make is that Lampard's like I bought all these players and I need to rely on Giroud. Yeah, that's not good. I, it's that's kind of crazy. I mean, I think this is the it will get figured out, but it's. It's so it's such a weird thing to me. Yeah, I I would say too that part of the problem may be that none of these players have played with each other at any level. At no point did their games really cross. And on top of that, obviously all they have all been injured at different times. But you factor in Hudson Odoi, uh, Tammy Abraham, and Olivier Giroud. None of them have played on the same teams really. And so yeah. I think the level of, of comfort isn't there and they're just not meshing uh, it, it, thus yet. Huge result for Everton. I can't believe they got this win without James and Digne. So that's huge for them. Uh, definitely a little bit of a setback for Chelsea, but they're still but, up there. And yeah, but I, I also don't think that it's a defining loss for Chelsea. I think that, yeah, it happened, but... Nothing, nothing's a defining loss right now, though. It's so early, right? Maybe for Sheffield because they only have one point, but like everyone's separated by two points, so a single loss isn't going to set you back right now. Yeah, but I I'm more saying you it, as we were saying with United and and City saying that was the point in the year where things turn south. Well, for you know? them, it's about their jobs too. They're actually on the hot seat. That's the point I was making with them. The good news, there is one good news that we can bring up for Chelsea before we move on, is that Timo Werner didn't miss a sitter. So, First time a in a start. while. His official two-touch pod certified miss sitter on the season count is five. Hold on to that five spot. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We clearly didn't agree on the last two matches in, in our analysis, so... Take a little breather, 
take a little edge off. You're clearly still listening, so thank you. This is the moment where we ask you to please subscribe if you're listening on Apple and also give us a five-star rating if you're so generous. If on Spotify, give us a follow. We also like to treat you to another trivia question. The trivia question for this episode is, Bones, I think you should be able to get this one. If you don't, well, it's embarrassing because I'm I'm putting you on blast right here. But Yeah, thanks, dude. <laughs> the top transfer fee received by a Premier League team was 106 million pounds. Who was the player that fetched this fee? And just to be clear, this is a Premier League team selling this player. And another hint is to another league. So what player was it that fetched this fee? I will... Bones, do you know this? Yeah, I know it. Yeah, okay. If you didn't, that'd be... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I I have an idea who it is. Well, if you can't wrong, go back. You were confident. Now you're not. No, I am confident. <laughs> but if I'm wrong, then you can just call me an idiot as much as you want. Oh, I would never do that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, all right. Let's get into Sunday's matches. Let's go through them pretty quickly. We got first one of the day, Southampton versus Sheffield. Woo, more ugliness. Southampton won 3-0. Jay Adams in the 34th, Stuart Armstrong in the 62nd, and Nathan Redmond in the 83rd. It's, yeah, I mean, I th- they're lucky that it was only 3-0. Danny Ings missed two opportunities that he could have – he should have at least gotten one of them. So just another ugly performance for Sheffield. A nice, easy three points for Southampton. Next on the day was Crystal Palace versus Tottenham. Pretty surprising result, but not really, meaning the result was 1-1. It was a draw. We mentioned this on the last episode. We both felt this could be a kind of a letdown spot for Tottenham, just based on their history. You'd think that maybe they'd get over that hump with Mourinho, but let's start with Harry Kane scored first in this game in the 23rd minute, and then Jeff Schlupp. In the 81st, Harry Kane's goal was actually, I'm pretty interested in what you have to say about this one. We texted a little bit, but what was your opinion of Harry Kane's goal? Actually, just remind me what the, what the goal was. Yeah, he was, I think he was just outside the box, uh, hit the ball. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Right down the middle. Yeah. So it's interesting because you could also see in the post. What was it? What was your, what was your, what was your opinion of it? I thought it was a lot more difficult than the announcers or the commentators were leading on to. Uh, I, Tim Howard was giving giving Vicente Gaeta a, a bunch of flack at halftime. But in all honesty, that's a difficult save to make. You have no idea. It was a, a knuckleball, a low knuckleball. that it, You don't know where that ball is going to land up or end up. So, you know, it's, it's a mistake, sure, but it's not an unforgivable mistake by a goalkeeper i thought that it was just a well-struck ball by harry kane and those balls are you know 50 50 maybe it goes in maybe it doesn't but generally the goalie will if it doesn't go in the goalie will make a save where it bounces back in into the front of the goal and somebody can try to clean it up so again we're not we're just not on the same page today it's interesting i didn't know tim howard was actually giving him flack because the commentators were just praising Harry Kane and just saying how difficult of a shot it was. I agree. It, it Basically, it was a knuckler right down the middle that made some late movement. The goalie was in position to make the save. And to your point, 
I don't think he was going to catch the ball and just stop it, but that's one that you just you punch away. You have yeah. strong hands and get it out of there. And he he didn't he didn't, and it resulted in a goal. Like to your point, you said, oh well, you know, a lot of those you end up just giving up a rebound, but a rebound with a, an extra chance to potentially save it is better than just conceding a goal, right? So yeah, it, in in Gaeta's defense, uh, he was he was he had started to move to his right and had to kind of lean back and yeah, yeah. those additional movements throw keepers off all the time. And I, I recognize the fact that, yeah, you should probably make that save, but yep. he was also the reason why crystal palace was still in the game at that point, let alone by the end of the end of the game. He got pummeled yeah. with shots, made unreal saves, saved a ridiculous free kick from uh Dyer. Yeah. I was going in the top. I mean, I didn't know Dyer could hit those, and it was going top left corner and full stretch saved it. This was late well, in the game too. And, so. and right before, right before or after that, there was a ball that was headed, and Gaeta deflected off the crossbar, bounced back. Then there was a rebound immediately after that. He then parried off to the left. I think it was off to the actually off to the right. So he was, as you say, just standing on his head, just making these saves to keep Palace in the game where, you know, they, they showed promise going forward, but that was an absolute onslaught that he was, yep. he was facing. Yep. So I want to tear him down for his first goal let in, but he also is the only reason why they got a point. All right. I think the only thing, let's see, what else is there? We oh. wanted to call out, or I want to call out. I don't know. His, I can't remember his first name, but Ezzy. Oh yeah, Eberichi um, Eze. Yeah. So he is a guy that moved from the championship from last year. Young guy, first year of Palace, and he has been an absolute stud. He is super quick, has great vision. You know, his final ball sometimes iffy, but he's got a ton of potential and working with Zaha I think that's a, a fantastic dynamic dynamic duo I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens the rest of the season yeah he's usually deployed on the left for Chris Crystal Palace and he does have a tendency to kind of drift in when he has the ball cut in um, and he kind of just glides it's so smooth and he looks like he could become a stud so like you said him and Zaha are looking very threatening and then I would even say it was another good showing by Benteke. So if you have those three players with confidence, they, I mean, they can, they can have results like this where, I mean, Tottenham was the better team and they can, they, you know, Tottenham takes their foot off the gas for a minute and Palace can make you, make you pay. As a, actually he hit the post and then also his free kick is what led to their goal. So that's just a, a nice little wrinkle they can add to their their attacking group. I would say this, uh, it's worth noting the expected goals, which is actually kind of, it's hard to do it with Mourinho's matches because he his team can adjust so dramatically within a match. So if you go just based on expected goals for the end of the match, it's it doesn't tell the whole picture. So this is a perfect example of it. Expected goals for Crystal Palace was 1.8, and for Tottenham it was 1.1. But Tottenham's expected goals were much higher in the periods 
where it was zero zero or one one. So what that tells you is that they took the foot off the gas the second they scored a goal and it was all Crystal Palace. They were willing to sit back and let Crystal Palace attack and tons of good chances were coming in. It's Crystal Palace, like we just said, they're they have the attacking talent that you can't just sit back because they will get a goal. Whether it's individual individual you know, take on or, or uh, now they have the ability to have some link up with, you know, two or three players of quality. Okay. So that wasn't the only upset of the day. In fact, there's two others that we need to get to next one immediately following. You'd think, Oh great. Tottenham drop points. Here we go. No longer in first. Well, Liverpool says, hold my beer. Watch this. Fulham versus Liverpool. One, one draw. Bobby de Cordova Reed with a beautiful finish, the right side of the box, smash it into the bottom left of the goal, 25 minutes in, to put Fulham up 1-0. Fortunately for Liverpool, they have some weird rules and VAR bailing them out in the 79th minute. Salah gets a PK, ties it. You know, I, I don't have much to say about this match. All I've got to say is before in the past couple of weeks, I've mentioned or said that I don't think Fulham is as bad as you've been making them out to be. I think that they are a squad that were trying to find their identity and, and figure out how to play with each other. And I think they've started to do that. And I think they are going to start moving further and further up the table out of the contention for the relegation zone. By no means are they a great team, but I, I do think that they're more resilient than than they were getting credit for. Yeah, I I was super impressed by Fulham. They came out and they were, I think, objectively, through and through, they were the better team. And I just want to highlight that, you know, even though he's not getting a ton of run or accolades from, from Greg Berhalter, Anthony Robinson is I think rated as one of the highest, one of the best left backs in the league. I think he's rated fourth in the league. What's that rating? I don't know. It's some <laughs> fluky, yeah, fluky rating. The it, official it, bones rating system. Yeah. But uh, he's looked good. He's looked strong for for Fulham. So it's a matter of trying to transition that into the national team setup. Yeah. Likewise, there's been players such as. Timothy Chandler that I've had similar issues of translating his good form from Eintracht Frankfurt to, to the national team. I hope that Anthony Robinson can, can make that transition because left back has been a, a, a sore point for the U S men's national team for quite some time. Yeah, he was, he was a stud in this match. He, he looked, I would say decent going forward, not great, but he put in some really good tackles. He, um, there was one specifically where Salah, was dribbling into the box, sizing him up, probably licking his lips, about to go right by him, and he put in a clean tackle, took Salah right out, got all ball. It was great. And then he did it again to – I mean, this isn't as impressive because of the player, but he did the same thing again to uh, Nico Williams. So it was a really good, strong performance from him. Yeah, I, and also something that isn't even we haven't even brought up is that they got robbed of a PK – early in the match, um, Fabinho, this was really early. Uh, I can't remember which player it was from Fulham, but he was, he was driving up the touchline, like cutting into goal. And Fabinho, 
I think it was kind of clumsy, just sort of slipped, but he, he swiped his legs out from underneath him, didn't get the ball at all, went to VAR, and they still didn't give a PK. Yeah, I, I felt that the Premier League is worse at using VAR than other leagues. I thought I think that the Bundesliga is pretty pretty accurate with their yeah, use the of it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's German efficiency. Yep. But I I just feel like Premier League is consistently having issues where usually Jurgen Klopp is freaking out about the poor decision by VAR. Yeah, well he got bailed out big time this game, so he can he can pipe down. <laughs> One last upset of the weekend. We got Arsenal versus Burnley. We joked that this is a match that Burnley could get a draw or a win. And well, they got the win. Yeah, this is just I don't even want to go that in on this because I I, I, we could do a whole episode shitting on Arsenal at this point. I think that'd just be mean. Aubameyang, we could have probably done that before, but we can certainly do that now. Yeah. Aubameyang scores a, an own goal in the 73rd minute. Granite There's Shaka, a nice header. Yeah. Granite Shaka got a red card, I think, in the 58th minute. For and, choking a guy. Yeah. They're... They're a mess. They're an absolute mess. And this is individual player mistakes, uh, poor judgment. And I, I can't put that on Arteta. These aren't, these aren't Arteta's players. So you can't stop a psychopath from getting a red card. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if Arteta is good or bad, but I don't think this result is on him. Because I also think this was Arsenal's best performance in a long time until the red card and the own goal. Yeah, it... it... I mean, Arsenal just are, aren't good, but they are better than what they're showing. And I agree. I don't think it's on Arteta that Grant Jaka is a psychopath. So, yeah. Did you hear the story about Evra or Evra and Thierry Henry? It's yeah. kind, of, kind of viral after. So, uh, I don't know when this happened, but it was quoted that Evra tells a story that Thierry Henry invited him over, obviously after retirement, to go. Henry invited him over to watch a match and watch the Arsenal match for the day. So Everett goes over to Henry's house, turn on the TV. Then 10 seconds later, Henry turns off the TV and Everett goes, what are you doing? And he saw that Jaka was the captain for the match. And Henry says, I cannot watch Jaka captain my team just brutal <laughs> just absolutely brutal yeah. yeah not not the way to to go for shaka for sure all right last match of the week lester versus brighton three nil i probably wasn't a three nil match but lester got the job done Probably 2-0, 1-0, but yeah, they were the better team. And honestly, this was the James Madison show. He scored in the 27th and the 44th. Vardy obviously scored. He always does in the 41st. But this is the best match I've seen from Madison in a while. He was all over the place. He could have had a couple of assists. Um, it was the best I've seen him, yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, I think you probably remember this, Bones, but 
I think before lockdown last year, he was getting linked with a big transfer move to United or somewhere oh, yeah. else. He was playing out of his mind and then lockdown happened. Then coming back from lockdown, he was injured for pretty much the entire time. And then he's had a slow start to this season. So we haven't really heard much from him, but this was, this was a very impressive performance by him. All right, so that's all the matches for the weekend. I'm just going to give a quick table review. So Tottenham and Liverpool are both, well, they both drop points, but still surprisingly sit at the top of the table despite doing so. They each have 25 points. Tottenham is ahead on goal differential. Leicester jumped into the third spot with 24 points after taking Brighton to the woodshed. Southampton actually rounds out the top four, which is just so bizarre. Southampton sitting fourth. On 23 points. Since Chelsea took the L, they dropped to fifth due to City and United drawing in the Manchester Derby. West Ham and Everton both jumped them and own the sixth and seventh spot respect, respectively. There you go. Yeah. City and United both still have a game in hand. So they are kind of lurking in those top spots. There's just such a huge logjam between first and seventh. So every point is making a huge difference right now. So if they win those game in hands, I think they jump to fourth and fifth respectively. So, yeah. And then bottom of the table, Sheffield United still on the bottom spot with a single point. West Brom owns the 19th spot with six points. Despite Fulham getting the huge point off of Liverpool, they actually dropped a spot because of, Burnley's shock win over Arsenal. Despite that happening, I mean, stealing a point from Liverpool when you're in a relegation battle is huge. I think I had them going down. That was my prediction at the end of the year. Bones, you you were probably right on this one. I think you had Fulham staying up. So if you get a point off of Liverpool, then that's huge value. Yeah, it's true. All right. Quick turnaround starting actually the same day that this goes live, this episode is the start of match week 13. So we're going to rip through the predictions quickly. Update on our record. Bones is still up by six. We both, well, we both <laughs> did poorly last last week, but we each gained one on each other in it. So the net is still six. So gap is still six for me. Not worried about it. All right. So true. Tuesday, we got Wolves versus Chelsea. What do you got? Chelsea. I think that Wolves just without... A clear scoring man, don't have it. Totally agree. I got Chelsea. Man City versus West Brom. I'm going to go with the... Just kidding. I'm going Man City. Me too. 3-1 Man City. look at that. Wednesday, Arsenal versus Southampton. Southampton. Same. Southampton. Leeds versus Newcastle. This is a saucy one. Yes. You know, I think I'm going to go Newcastle. Ooh. I had Newcastle in here, but I'm going to go with a draw. Mm. All right. Safe play. Another saucy one. We got Leicester versus Everton. This is another saucy one. Uh, I think I got to go Everton. I think that they are finally turning around. Um, even, Even the fact that they needed a, a PK to beat Chelsea. I think they looked better. All right. Well, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go with a draw. Big disagreement there. Fulham versus Brighton. 
I'm going to go with my boys from Fulham. I'm going to go with a draw because Brighton's my boys, but not not too much. Not not that much. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool versus Tottenham. This is the biggest match of the, the, the week. I'm going to go Tottenham here. Okay. I'm again, I'm boring, but I'm going to go with a draw because Jesus. Well, my theory, which I think is right, is Tottenham's a better team. Mm-hmm. But Mourinho's going to Mourinho says we're going to Anfield. I want a point. If I walk away with a point, then it's a win in my book. So I think Tottenham's going to play conservative and it's ultimately going to be a draw. When they should they should be Liverpool, but I'm going to go with draw because it's Mourinho. <laughs> West Ham versus Crystal Palace. I'm actually going to go a draw on this. I'm going to go with a West Ham win. I don't feel good about it, but not much analysis. I'm going West Ham. Thursday, we got Sheffield versus Manchester United. Well, I would hope United takes this. Yes, I would hope so too. If not, then I'm, <laughs> I might not make it for the next episode. <laughs> Aston Villa versus Burnley. Oh, don't get fancy. I, I guess I've got to give it to Villa. All right, I'm going Villa too. All <laughs> right, that's going to do it for us. Before we wrap it up, trivia answer time. Let me remind you what it was because I need to remind it myself, to be honest. Where is it? All right, the trivia question. The top transfer fee received by a Premier League team was £106 million. Which player was this for? Again, this is for a transfer out of the Premier League into another league. Bones, what's your guess? I believe it was Gareth Bale. Oh, man. Was it Eden Hazard? Nope. Come on, man. Oh, no. This oh, isn't good. Oh, gosh. This isn't good. Oh, oh golly gee willikers. It, was, it wasn't It was Ronaldo. Nope. No, it wasn't. So you would think it would be one of the players that you listed because of, you know, they probably deserve fetching the top fee in the world. I don't know about Hazard, but Bale or Ronaldo, but <laughs> it was actually Coutinho. Oh, wow. Yeah. Coutinho to Barcelona. Yikes. I didn't even think about that. No, yep. you stumped me. I am wow. embarrassed. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Quick turnaround. As you're listening, there's probably already been matches played or getting started soon. So, yeah. Happy Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to us. Bones, anything else before we wrap it up? Thanks, guys. Cool. <laughs>